0: Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have on today, Barry Mitzman. She is a podcaster, an Instagram celebrity, and really someone that is changing the way that the Frum community, the Orthodox community, is able to look at and discuss the real issues that people go through. She is well known for her straightforward and candid conversations, speaking about all kinds of challenges that we face. Specifically, she speaks to a a, a woman's audience. She runs the Women of Valor podcast, and we have a very wide-ranging discussion about some of the issues that are the most profound for the modern-day Jewish person. Hang tight. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been brought to you by me, Jacob Rupp, and Jacob Rupp's Consulting, uh, Technically Lift Your Legacy. Now, I have to be honest, I help clients often get out of their own way, and something that has really held me up was exactly the same thing, that I was in my own way. For months, people have been saying, you know, talk about your coaching, talk about how you help people, share it, et cetera. And I had a really hard time putting it out there. Why? Because it's not that I don't think I do a great job. I've seen amazing results from my clients. You know, 10X, uh, even more than that, businesses, fixed relationships, um, helped people lose a lot of weight, people go on the path of of making goals and fulfilling their goals, all of these things. I know I do it. And I've been in the coaching space long enough to know that there's a lot of people that don't really deliver. And the ones that do really deliver are are worth literally their their weight in gold because so often we're held back by stuff. And it's just like if only I could get over that, if only I could work through that. And I help people do that. But for me, my big holdup was sharing that I do this in a big way, in a public way, especially on the podcast, because it's awkward. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just making the podcast to to sell you stuff or to talk about stuff. So that's not what I'm doing. Um, My point is like this. My coaching business is expanding. I'm taking on a few more clients. If you are someone that is struggling in the area of self-esteem, goal setting, health, relationships, or your your business, really, Reach out. I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. What I can guarantee you is that we'll get on the phone for half an hour. Uh, I'll hear the kind of challenges you're having. You'll get a good feel if you don't know me yet of the kind of work I do, kind of program I would recommend for you. And if it's a great fit, we'll move forward. And if not, not. But I wanted to appreciate very much from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you guys all listen. I appreciate the amazing guests that I have, and I'm really thrilled to have broken through in my own life to the point where I could actually devote a segment to really make a somewhat long-winded, but I think very important advertisement. So if you want to reach out to me, the email is rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, rup at gmail.com, and the website is liftyourlegacy.live, and at lift, your leg, lift underscore your underscore legacy on Instagram, I think it's pretty simple. You, you know where to find me because you found the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, Barry Mitzman, this is a pleasure. I, I, you know, there's just so, you know, sometimes you're just like so thrilled for so many so many reasons. One of, one of which is that you, you give me some level of, of credit for helping you start your podcast, the Woman of Valor podcast, which has, I don't know, two and a half to three billion downloads and has changed the lives of women everywhere. So I'm very honored by that and humbled. Uh, We did have the opportunity of working together for a short period of time with the uh, glorious West Coast NCSY. And uh, you are the mind behind Baryana, the Instagram account, which is featuring women's fashion, uh, modest women's fashion, uh, motherhood, I was going to say menthols, but it doesn't have anything to do with what, with what you do. But, but anyway, it's great to have you here. I'm really thrilled that we're having this conversation. So thank you very much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. I definitely give you credit. Um, if it wasn't for you helping uh, me and my husband out to actually start the podcast and get the ball rolling technically, uh, I never would have started. So I How's do- it been?
0: So you're, you're, you're a year in, right? Yes. So tell me about that. What's this year been like for you?
1: It had, well... I mean, you had, you, had another, you
0: had another child, I understand. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm. Well, in the middle, it was like in between having one kid and then having another kid. That was like this year. I have two under two right now, which is a real fun, um, real trip. But during that one year, I have found a means for me to be creative. I always used to speak about how one of the hardest... Um, Jewish laws is the law of ko'isha, of a woman's voice. And and I, I took upon myself to no longer use my voice to sing um, in front of men. And now I found a way to use my voice in a different way, but in a way that enables me to be creative and share with whomever wants to listen.
0: As long as they're women.
1: Nope. I mean woman
0: of valor, woman of valor is podcast yeah no, valor- it's, it's, no it's just it's it's such a beautiful concept that that I think people should get a lot of um, I, the word is his hook I I'm mean, whatever you know a lot of a lot of strengthening from is that for your for your Instagram account, you only have women looking at it, and so I guess there is this sort of perception that you are boxed in so to speak by you know, your spiritual obligations, whatever it might be, but it really doesn't seem to be that, that you've used it. That's actually helped launch you and, and really helped niche down in terms of who you're talking to.
1: Well, when I started the Woman of Valor podcast, I actually was a public account. Um, and after the podcast started, um, it was only recently that I realized that I wasn't able to be my full self um, in the way that I desired, knowing that there were men um, viewing my content. And I just, I spoke to my husband about it. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I don't know. Like your page, do whatever you want. He, he's extremely supportive. Um, and that's the reason why I do whatever it is that I do because he's so supportive, but I found the limiting to be freeing for myself. I say a lot more that I want to say. I do a lot more that I want to do. Um, and it's, and I know who's watching and to be able to say I'm welcoming you into my space rather than this is open for everybody. um, I find it to be very freeing.
0: Wow. I just, just to reiterate what I think I'm hearing you say is this, is this absolutely crucial lesson, which is, you know, kind of maybe a throwaway from your husband, but, but it definitely was not is the sense of kind of do what you want. And so we spend so much time trying to do what other people want us to do, but, when we kind of get quiet with ourselves and just kind of go out there, like you said, suddenly we're free.
1: Yeah, sometimes what we, what's seemingly is restrictive is really an active choice and a choice of freedom.
0: Well, it sounds like Judaism and mitzvahs, good for you. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about this idea of, of mindfulness and you, you had mentioned previously, you're very open about your struggle with Lyme disease, your struggle with certain anxiety issues, a postpartum depression. So it's like, you know, in a world where so many of us are reading, I was going to say Mishpacha magazine, but I don't want to get in trouble, but for any, you know, but we're reading like, you know, about, about all of these very pristine families, pristine stories, you know, perfectly organized, uh, you know, food plates and, and nice groom, nicely groomed beards, hopefully on the rabbis. Like why is it that at this point you, you, you're so upfront with stuff that, a lot of people are like really embarrassed about.
1: So it started a couple months after I gave birth to my daughter. Um, So I wanna say it's about a year and a half ago. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) New motherhood. uh! Um, I actually started sharing because I was first exclusively a modest fashion page. It was actually NCSY um, that led me to do that because I applied for a grant for money for clothes. And I said in exchange, I would do social media stuff because I believed that students in public schools should see somebody dressed well, who is adhering to the Judaic laws of modesty. So that was my sales pitch. I won. It was amazing. Um, And I got a few items of clothes, no big deal. Um, But so then I started sharing the items. And right after I gave birth to my daughter, I figured that I could keep up um, with my previous pace, which was Um, really incorrect. So I started sharing just a little bit about my experience. I'm like, see this picture? I look really awesome. Yeah, it's 4.30 in the afternoon and I got dressed about 35 minutes ago. So I asked my husband to take a picture of me because it's the first time I got dressed in four days. So is it that pathetic that I'm really trying to pretend like I have it all together when I'm falling apart? And people just went nuts like in a good way, they were like, thank you. Like, I was so jealous of you that you were like normal. Like I was a moron getting dressed, looking perfect. Like two days after my kid was born, like, who are you? So my first one, I learned my lesson after the first one, but just that dose of reality that I just like spewed upon, upon the, uh, the Jewish women uh, internet, um, they kind of just freaked out in a good way. So I started writing some some posts about different experiences and I always asked my husband what he was comfortable with because I never wanted to put him in a position where he was uncomfortable. And thankfully my husband and I are on the same page in that if I'm sharing for the purpose of education and I have worked through it or am in the process of working through the struggle, then I am safe and encouraged to share it. So, I started sharing stuff about my struggle with depression while I was pregnant with my daughter and afterward. Um, but then, while I was expecting my son and, and experiencing um, peripartum depression, which is the technical term, I did not share until after he was born because I, when you're going through something at that moment, if it's not handled, Um, you're very fragile and you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position, that one wrong thing said to you can just break you. Especially even when it's over text and it can be misconstrued. But I wanted to show people that you're not alone. That's the whole point of the woman of valor podcast. If you think that you were the only one good news, you're in good company. You're not the only one struggling to do it all. Push yourself beyond your limits. There's so much imperfection out there, which by definition makes that normal. Normal is not perfect, normal is struggle, normal is imperfection. And some people would associate, oh, somebody who has, you know, postpartum depression looks like X somebody who has an anxiety disorder probably dresses and looks like why i wanted to break that and i knew that i had a platform to share that and say you know what chronic illness sometimes can look like a perfect well photographed picture you never know what's going on behind behind the scenes a picture social media even appearances when we meet up with somebody outside it's just a front You don't know what's going on behind closed doors and behind the doors of the mind. It's, it's frightening how much people silently suffer. And because I share, I get countless emails, direct messages on Instagram um, and just mentions from other people who say, Oh, you live in Henderson or do you know Barry Mitzman? And then they say, this person really helped me because I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. And that's an amazing position to be in. It's scary as anything, and it's a lot of responsibility. So I got to be careful. <laughs> but it's also a huge blessing to have the opportunity.
0: What do you do with that responsibility? Meaning that I think that it's it's kind of a it's a it's a at least a triple edged sword. On one on one respect, what I what I really love one of the things that is very profound is that a lot of times people feel like I'm going to put this in and then I'll ask you the triple edged sword question. That, that a lot of times people feel like I have to share all of my, my blubbering hot junk that I'm just crying all over the place. And and, and you're saying it's, it's good to share, but it's good to share sort of once you've got somewhat of a handle on it. So don't necessarily jump on Instagram as soon as, as soon as you finish screaming at your husband slash wife. Not that anyone ever does that. But theoretically speaking, that's not the right time. But after you've resolved the issue, then you get on and say, we had a spirited understa- you know, disagreement about X, Y, and Z, and this is how we resolved it. So it's like, you're not just spewing, but you're actually giving people something that they can learn from. That's what, that's what you're saying.
1: I'm saying that if your goal is to educate and that you are aware that it might not be received the way you intended and that you can handle it, then you can share.
0: What's, give an example to that. Let's, let's like get rid of um,
1: Me, let's say I um, was going through a bad bout of depression and I come on and I say I'm having a really hard time, and da-da-da-da-da, which I wouldn't do. It's just not something that I find is is purposeful. You're
0: Um, saying the hot mess is not purposeful?
1: No, or even me just saying like, I'm just really depressed right now. If somebody sends me a response, it's like, but you look great, or like, oh, I once got one. It's like, well, maybe if you weren't gallivanting around doing (laughs) photo shoots and stuff like, then maybe you wouldn't be dealing with depression. I'm sure you don't have a diagnosis. I was like,
0: You're like
1: you think I'd be running man. around saying I have depression if I didn't have a diagnosis? Like, okay. right. Um, and also, this is my job. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, stop crunching numbers. You're an accountant. Maybe if you crunch numbers less, you'd probably be less depressed. No, well, maybe. But that's a bad example.
0: Right. <laughs> not right.
1: accountants. But I'm saying like, Just. if if I wasn't, emotionally prepared for that type of response um or i don't think that it would be productive it's not a concept of venting if you need to vent if you need to speak to a therapist you need to do that um instagram is not a therapist instagram more likely is a troll yes um and will will hit you hit you much harder and not help yeah at all
0: and so, and so then you, you find yourself kind of at this strange platform where people come up to you and they say, you know, you really helped me out. And it's not like you sat and talked to them. Like you just, you shared your own thing. And now they come to you with some of their issues, I'm assuming. How do you, how do you manage that responsibility? How do you get up each day and give a positive message knowing that other people are going to kind of come to you and look at you and need you and... Maybe, you know, like, how how do do you shoulder that?
1: I make it very clear very often when I discuss different concepts, like when I discuss anxiety or depression, I explain that everything that I am saying is purely anecdotal, and that I am not a professional, and that I cannot give any professional advice. I can tell you what I'm doing, I can refer you to a resource that can help you find a professional, but I am not a professional. I call myself a master of none. Technically I have a master's in education.
0: That's good. That's so I'm
1: nice. kind of using it in the form of informal education. At the same time, like when I go on my podcasts, I explain, I, if, if there's a topic that I am not qualified to give over, I make sure to have an expert or a person who is qualified to join me on that because I'm not going to take that responsibility. And frankly, I don't have the time to do that much research. No, thanks. It's, no, it's,
0: it's, it's beautiful. The power of being able to admit what you don't know is itself, like pretty much the only thing you need and you can just, you know, reach out and find there's, there's, there's such an abundance of information and, and experts out there that you can feel comfortable. I'm, i I guess I'm saying this to the person that, that doesn't think they deserve a platform. And to that person, you have to realize, like none of us actually have all the answers. Maybe we read some books, but more than anything, we just know people and we can talk to them or just bring them on and they can just explain whatever we're looking to do. Right. Beautiful. So, so talk to me a little bit about this mindfulness thing. How do, you, how do you be a mother and an influencer and practice mindfulness? What does that mean practically to you?
1: Mindful living is about living with intention and purpose and not automaticity. I found that many women are so burnt out from their obligations and all of the responsibilities that they juggle, that it comes to a point where they just feel like soulless robots just going through life being machines and never stopping to think, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Do I enjoy doing it? What about me? What about my purpose? What about my needs? And more often than not, if you're not actively thinking about yourself, you're not a priority and you're not part of this picture of obligations and chores and things. Being mindful living to me is is taking time, whether it's five minutes a day, whether it's, it's 60 seconds in the day and understanding what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Let's say with my daughter, I have a very active social daughter. She cannot be home all day. She goes to a play group. On one hand, I could feel terrible that I can't be the perfect stay at home mom. Or on the other hand, I can understand that I would be a much more frustrated, flustered mother and take 15 minutes of the day uninterrupted to spend time with just her and show her that she is important to me and remind myself that my connection to my daughter is important. And this 15 minutes is worth more than seven hours of frustration and probably me crying more than she was.
0: See, that's such an important, I, I, I hate to cut you off, but I, I really want to dig into that a little bit. That, that's such an important point that, that oftentimes we think that just by nature of us being busy or like grinding through it, that there's some intrinsic value to that. When in reality, like you said, you could have much more productive time for yourself, for your daughter, that would work better. And on top of it, you don't have to spend seven hours being a stay-at-home mom if that's not sort of what your orientation and life goals Necessarily would be
1: right. It's trying to figure out what works for you within reasonable boundaries Um within what you can actually Obtain at this point in time somebody who is going through struggles financially can't necessarily jump and quit their job However, they can start a small business that they enjoy on the side or find a hobby that gives them more purpose and more meaning Um, I recently relocated my office from my home to my gym I, gym. I answer emails there. I do phone calls there.
0: Like um, on the treadmill, like, or like?
1: Oh no! It's funny because I have a gym membership, and people think I'm like pumping iron. Like I go to the like vinyasa gotcha. like yoga class that's like stretching with seventy year olds. Uh-huh. And Great. there, they like try to do like let no thought enter the mind. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to think about everything that's important right now because my body's shut off everything's quiet. I can actually think clearly. Let me think about what needs to get done. Let me think about like today, I decided that during the um, meditation period, I was going to think of how's my relationship with God going? What am I, what do I feel like I'm missing? What do I feel like I can do to try to connect that more? Like that was my, you know, 15, 20 minutes of just laying on the floor on my mat with my eyes closed. Um, Sometimes it's, telling myself that my heart is full and imagining all of the blessings that God has given me to make me feel more gratitude and less, why is this happening to me? More, I have so much blessing, why am I sweating this out?
0: So I, I, I think that the important point is to, to kind of niche into this shift that must have happened because I, I know that this is the experience with so many women, because you said it, because you know, it, it seems to be. And I feel like for a lot of men, it's the same concept of well, I have to be a dad and I have to work and I have to go to school, and all these kinds of things. And I guess for both genders, even though it's like no one would want to admit it to the other gender, it's like both people are, are really operating under this question when you're like, well, why don't you go do something for yourself? Most people think like, I, I can't, like I, I don't deserve. Like, so how did you make that switch where you can take the time that you need and not only not feel bad about it, but orient your whole day around it and draw all of your strength from it.
1: So it's crazy to say, but the Lyme disease really is what...
0: Lyme disease, that's all we need, great. Thank you, yeah. that's, that's very practical. God
1: forbid. Um, it is a horrible, horrible illness that has wrecked my body, but the fact that it put me out of commission and it made me have to think outside the box, um, and understand that I had to move slower. I am a, I am an overachiever by nature. Um, I used to like work full time, go to school full time, volunteer for three nonprofits, you know, while dating and going to the gym three times a week. Like I was, I was like, cool type a, like holds all the tension in my shoulders. Um, just want to change the world. Um, type situation. And I was forced to slow down. And in that I got into my head a lot and I felt guilty about not doing all of the motherly duties and spousal duties that I expected myself to do. And my therapist asked me, she was like, if all of these issues and roadblocks weren't there, would you still want to be doing the things you're fetching about? I'm like, no. She's like, then stop talking like what are you what are you doing so i realized that wait,
0: wait, speak speak that out more specifically w- what exactly did she say to you and 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 wh-
1: she's she's she basically said if you're if you if you don't want to do this you feel course,
0: bad you, you feel bad i'm not doing x y and z and then she said do you want to do x y and z and you're like honestly no and then she's like well then stop complaining that you're not doing them is that what you're yeah. saying
1: She's like, then why do you feel bad that you're not doing them? You right. don't. Want I to. love
0: that. I love that. Tremendous. You can yeah. tell I said that. Like,
1: oh, you're right. And I figured, like, I was, I made the decision last year at the end of when I when I stepped down from my position at the job that we both worked at, that I was going to take a year off. Um, and that year off was going to be focused on me healing, and um going through more line treatment and getting stronger and all of these things. Um, and what ended up happening was I was able to channel a lot of my creative abilities into something that I was passionate about. I was like, I can have both. Like I can do something productive, but also not have it be within the confines of a regular job. Like I was just thinking about different things and it, I guess... I had a really hard time taking care of myself growing up. I forced myself on my gap year. Why? I felt that I wasn't deserving of things. I I just figured that everybody else needed to be given to and I wasn't worthy of receiving.
0: Where did that come from?
1: I have no idea.
0: I don't buy that.
1: At the moment, I have no idea. It's probably something repressed. Probably. I'm a big people pleaser by nature. Right. I worked very hard on that to not be as people pleasing. Um but we, yeah, is this from, gonna be therapy the, session, Robin, Rob? it, it
0: could be. It could be. This sound this is so exciting. I I I I'm I'm curious. I mean just just for the, the the wonderful people that are listening and and I'm happy to cry. I have my tissues here whenever you want to ask me any questions. But um but uh the 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 interesting thing is that 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 so much of i mean like this was a huge thing i worked through was it's like i always defined my success based on the grades that i got and so i had this whole mind trip when i like didn't get perfect grades and then when you leave school and there's no grades like well what the heck do i do now so the interesting thing is i think back to all these experiences and i hope my mother doesn't listen to this that all all the times i was i was working and I didn't get good grades. and I didn't feel like, you know, that that there was that my mother loves me, but I'm saying that that there wasn't that level of love, you know, that I wasn't as good as when I was bringing home the A's. And so the interesting thing is, if you think back to a time in your life where you might not have felt, I guess, full or as loved because you weren't making other people happy. I mean, again, like we know that from the very early ages, like we have to make our parents happy because we're afraid they would like stop feeding us or something like that. But the reason why I, I wanted to see if we could dig into that a little bit is I think that so many people, and I think a lot of women, maybe more than men, I know more than men, um, suffer from that exact concept, they, that they people-please and they don't think they, they, like, they deserve nice stuff, and then they wind up being depleted.
1: I mean, I think many people, um, due to many institutions, um, have been taught that their mission in life
0: I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard not to ask which institutions. Go ahead.
1: There are many of them. I, I can't even, uh, hopefully they've changed by now. Great. But there's an expectation that a woman's goal is to be married and to have children and raise those children in a Torah home. Nowhere in that does it say that she should be happy. And that she should also look after herself and make sure that, you know, she is satisfied. That's not something that's usually mentioned. It's not, I don't even know if it's in the fine print. And I think that that's a huge problem because many women's life goals then become being a wife, being a mother. And then they do it and they're like, "Eh, I'm not really so fulfilled right now. But like, this is what I'm told is the end all be all and I have it. So like, I guess I'm just gonna, you know, try to smile while changing poopy diapers and like
0: Suffer quietly.
1: That by my seven year old. Like, I, I guess that's just my life. Um, and there are a lot of people who feel like they're not connected to their spirituality and they, they adhere to it f- merely for social obligation and societal expectation.
0: And, and also probably fear, you know, cause it's like, it's very hard to not do the stuff that your parents really like banged into you as a kid. In some cases, or I, or even like with Bali Chuva, like I didn't grow up for him. Like, you know, when you make a certain commitment, a certain part in your life, it's very hard to then backtrack on it. And then you feel like a big, a big failure.
1: Right. So when I talk about modesty and I talk about different, um, mitzvot and observance, people ask me like how I'm so passionate about it and why I actually like feel about it. Like there are different different people on Instagram, influential people on Instagram, who are bringing back this concept of like prayer, being like, hey, send me your selfies with a sitter or like, let's daven nishmat or like any of these things. There There are women who are like, let's bring back the beauty into Judaism. Let's not do it by root anymore. Let's actually think about it and realize why we're doing it. Also realize that it's hard. And sometimes mothering is hard and sometimes Shabbat is hard and sometimes modesty is hard and that's okay. And It's a process and you are important and you are valued. And I was, just, um, I was just speaking with somebody who asked me if my whole approach is selfish because I'm like-
0: Your approach is selfish.
1: Yeah, she's like, do you think that like, because this is such a new concept to society these days where it's like you have to realize that you're a priority in your life He's that selfish. And I whipped out something from my brain from high school. Um, The Rambam actually says that when you are trying to change a character trait. To get to that happy medium, if you're on one extreme, you have to go to the opposite extreme to get back to where you need to be. Somebody who is a completely selfless individual who feels like a doormat and hates themselves needs to become Mr. or Mrs. Selfish USA, even just for a little bit of the day, even for whatever it is, to come back to be like, I need to make sure that I take time for myself. I need to discipline myself to take care of myself like I would somebody else that I care about. So uh, we to say, uh, wait, 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 this I to is to take this, time for you.
0: This is too good, this is too good. Ah. I- i have a I have a question, but first, I wanted to just insert certainly you know my just this this concept, which i think is so fundamental and from a psychological perspective, this is where all of the data is going, is that i guess the what a what a i'm going to say what a woman but i think this is much more general than than just women um i guess would just include men in the fourth and fifth and sixth genders um but but what, yeah, whatever, all oh, good. But the, but the concept is ultimately that when it comes to religion, like God wants you. God doesn't want somebody else, like God wants you. And so if you don't know you, how can you give God what God's looking for? Because God made everybody else, right? And he needs you. And, and I think the same exact thing is true with marriage is that we get so wrapped up in what someone else thinks, but, but the problem is like, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So the woman, man, that looks perfect, they might be themselves behind closed doors and you might be shocked to know what, what they're doing, not in a bad way, but maybe a good way. You know, it's like, there was a, can I, I'm going to share this story. Hopefully that's okay. You'll indulge me. There was a story. I forgot who I heard it from, but um, always good, always good credibility that way. Um, but they were explaining that there was a, a yeshiva in Israel where they were very upset, that one of the parents, I think it was Moshe Weinberger who told the story, um, was wearing short sleeves. White shirt, but short sleeves. And, 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 and the family didn't want the, their, their child to go to a school where, where one of the fathers wore a white short sleeve shirt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the, they went to the school, the, you know, the principal, and the principal said, we have to go speak to a guttle. And so they were going to go to Roshmuel Erlbach, and they all showed up at the front door and he opened the door and he was in a, in a short sleeve white shirt and so everyone's like, oh, okay, and they left. But it's, it's, it's so the, the point is that like, we spend so much time trying to look like something and we don't even know if the people that we think we're trying to look like actually look like that.
1: There's, there's a lot of searching for an ideal, an ideal person in society and not the ideal self.
0: And you lose it like you spend all the time looking for something that doesn't really exist and you're right there. So like do yourself kind of a thing. I had a client that asked me, he's like, I said, you have to learn to, to love yourself. he says, you're right. And then he said, so, so what book could I read? I said, no, (laughs) yourself, not the book right? And that's the point. And I, I'm not saying I, the only reason why I picked that out from what he said was because I'm always like that. I'm like, well, let me figure out something. It's like, no, idiot. Like, look at yourself and, and, and see what you want. What actually sounds good. I'm so fired up. I, I have to ask the question, though, that every woman or man might be asking when they hear you say, become Miss Selfish, or Selfish Mr. Selfish USA, right? What is your husband going to think? What is your wife going to think? You show up and you tell your wife, honey, I want to go to the Schwitz." And I, and, I, and I need an hour, I need two hours. Or you say, honey, I'm going to get my nails done and it's Friday afternoon and, and the food is not ready. And I need that right now. So like, how do people get over the, the, the terrible fear that accompanies someone that wants to make changes in their life and potentially shake things up from a family perspective?
1: I think the important thing is to do it once and then show them what happens afterward.
0: Ah, you're good. You're saying to so reward it. So, like, take no, your. Schwitz,
1: if get- somebody goes to the Schwitz for two hours, if a guy decides, you know, I really need to go to Schwitz and comes back and he's playing amazingly with his kids, his wife's gonna be happy and say, hey, go to the Schwitz whenever you want. I don't care. You just did the dishes. Great. Schwitz away. Right. You know, if, if, if getting your nails done is going to make you able to have a relaxing Shabbos and not, not be, you know, angry and bitter and mutter to yourself about things about how you had to cook and clean and up, then great. The effects that, that taking care of yourself has go way beyond you. It doesn't, it doesn't, the reason why I take care of myself partially is because I know what what it can do for my kids i know what it can do for my what for for my husband you know like stop
0: okay, okay.
1: <laughs> i know what it can do for the people around me if if i'm not functioning from a good place my relationships are not going to come from a good place
0: Right. So the point being that maybe you might have to have a simpler meal, or God forbid, tell your husband to do something, right? And, and the, the net result is, I think that most people would say, I'd rather have my husband or wife not hate themselves and hate their lives and make my life miserable, and we would have maybe a little bit less uh, beautiful plating on, on the hummus platter or whatever it might be.
1: Absolutely. I think that there's so much to understanding what is really important and what really is a value long-term versus short-term sure that hummus platter might look really nice short-term but long-term having a happy marriage is probably better than any hummus platter you can possibly have um, and the fact is that being Mr. or Mrs. Selfish USA isn't really that selfish at all because you're yes, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for the quality of your relationships beyond you. It's not really that selfish.
0: It's it's just funny that our, our, I guess our generation has gotten used to calling that selfish because we know that all of the things in the goar are very, like they're very normal people in the goar and they take care of themselves and they do what they have to do. And then we we're like, well, you know, we should never do that. You know, we should just be, you know, it's 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 such a it's a it's a terrible misnomer that I really think is breaking so many people, and it's really really sad.
1: Now I think another terrible thing is that the a lot of the stories that are supposed to give us inspiration to mm-hmm. become better people are just really unattainable goals. Like what? Like super unrealistic.
0: Like what? Like
1: oh well, this person decided just stood there while the other person was whipping him and spitting him in the face and cursing him like, wow, that's what we should aspire to. It's like, I did
0: that. I did that today. That was fantastic. I don't know what your problem is.
1: So a lot of the stories that that, that are told in schools and, and as stories intended for inspiration are, are things that are so beyond our means of comprehension and character building that it's almost discouraging.
0: Almost or completely?
1: I'm going to be a little positive and say almost. Um, But I like to surround myself with people that understand that serious change comes from a series of small changes. And that the small changes are the things that actually stick and the things that make you a better person. Um, Even like I, after I had my son, Eli Melech, I had like a total breakdown. I'm like, I just made pace off. My kid's like a couple weeks old. Like, I really need a break. Like, I'm going, I'm going to just completely shut down. If I hear two children crying at the same time one more time, I'm just gonna lose it. So thankfully, we live in in Nevada. So it was a 20-minute drive to a resort. My husband dropped me off for two days. I was able to work, was able to spend time by myself, able to get a massage, go to the Schmitz, you know, like have a great time. And then I came home and the kids started crying again. And I was just like, Why is this still bothering me as much? And the answer is sometimes we need something big for ourselves, but more often than not, we need a few small things during the day. We need a few check-ins. We need a few times of self care and, and self intention. If it's, if it's just taking a, a little bit of time each day, like, like taking the intention to spend 15 minutes with my daughter, that's something that's quality time that I enjoy, that I have face to face and that we're doing something that we both enjoy together, whether that's reading a book or having a dance party. I need uh, to do that a few times a day.
0: I'm going to push back a little bit on that concept.
1: Go for it, Rabbi Ruff. God forbid that I, that
0: I would disagree, which I'm not. But I think that sometimes we really, really need the big stuff in order for all the little things to actually work. Because what I'm hearing for all of our overproductive people that are with the homeless platter and working 12-hour days and, and then learning for 12 hours and, and then spending 12 hours on their shetel, whatever it might be, and the stay-at-home mothers and fathers who are helping their wives and making all the money or vice versa, whatever you want, um, is that people think, well, you know, Barry says, I just need five minutes a day. And I would say, no, the only way the five minutes a day works is if you have the capacity to really actually take your foot off the gas as, as the dear Maimonides said, do something extremely selfish. You know, like when my wife and I would go away for like a, a five star vacation, right. Which is great with your, whatever it is, you know, like it, we, we found a really nice hotel. And once we started doing that every six months or something like that, or every three months or whatever it might be, we were able to take the time during the the weeks also when we weren't doing that. Right. right? Part of our, our thing, you know,
1: no, we're not disagreeing because it's kind of an incorporation of the whole idea of going from one extreme to the happy medium. Because I was able to go to that other extreme, I was able to realize that the other extreme is not, is not forever attainable, but I'm going to need that a few times um, or however much is needed. At the same time, I can still do smaller things that'll help me.
0: Get you back to that place where you were able to a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't just it, you know indefinitely pick up and move to the resort. Um, and my Not son, yet. my son and daughter with my husband. Um, yeah, no, can't do that. But because I can't do that, I can do that every so often. I can, I can in the meantime and during that, and trying to continue to get to that goal, I can do things for myself. Some some people may say that what I'm doing is even more drastic than others because I have a job that's flexible and that isn't a direct nine to five. Even though I'm technically a stay-at-home mother, but I'm also a content creator and I, and I do all these things. I
0: really I hate literally. that. I really hate, me, granted again, it, it's one of those like very first world problems. You're like, what have you done today? I was like, well, I sat on the beach for a bunch of hours. Like you have, I go to the beach, you go to the gym for your office hours. Like I, I literally just sit there and I'm like just on calls and I'm watching the ocean in, until I move to Minnesota, at which point I'll be watching the snow. Uh, I whatever but uh, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I do feel that a lot of people Use the excuse. Oh, I have a nine-to-five job as an excuse as if I don't have to take care of myself As if my physical health doesn't really matter my mental and emotional health doesn't matter poor me I'm locked in a cubicle and the reality is like we create that reality like we we pick the job Even if we didn't pick the job, there's hours that, you know, it's not.
1: Do something at 7 a.m., do something at 8.15. Right. something at 8.15 p.m. You have other times.
0: Right. That's the point. People have to take responsibility.
1: You and I work at 9 (laughs) p.m. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's it's just a different type of job. And that's also something that I also um, make very clear. Um, that what I do on social media and what I do on the Women of Valor podcast, that is work. That is something that should be valued, something that should be seen as an occupation, because people just have this fairytale idea that like all of this content that I'm creating is just something that poofs out of thin air that takes, you know, negative six seconds. Um, and it's a little it's a little sad, but I'm thankful for the people that understand that it's not only a passion project, but it's also... Um, a source of livelihood, uh, and yeah, like why can't you have both?
0: Well, I mean, I, that's that's the kind of sad thing is it's like it, I, I forgot where I heard this again, but it's like it used to be that it was about how many you know like letters MBA whatever you had after your name. Now it's just like what does your social media look like because that's a much better re, like representation of who you are. And it's it, it funny, it's the same kind of a thing. It's like if you worked for Coca Cola and sat around on Instagram all day long, coming up with stuff to do, you'd be, you know, it would be very respectable. But the fact that you do this for yourself and you talk about things that you actually care about and you don't have like a pre-script, you're not trying to feed people, uh, you know, sugary drinks, like suddenly it's like, well, you know, Barry doesn't, doesn't work, so therefore, you know, therefore she has no ability to understand my life. And, it, and it's, it's just crazy, like, how many boxes we put ourselves in so we don't have to take responsibility over over i guess our own happiness
1: well thankfully that's not the case majority of the time and i think over the barry on a page and the woman of valor um tribe we've created this sort of mentality of like it doesn't matter what you do or you don't do that doesn't define who you are you are who you are and your choices are who you are and you have to own that and if you don't then there's a problem. you need to own your choices you need to own who you are and you need to decide what it is that you want to do know why you do it and that's it you don't own ex- you don't really owe an excuse to anybody else. I have to give an excuse you know to make sales pitches for advertisements and things you always have to make sales pitches but for socially like you really don't people here like have no idea what I do
0: on on purpose or what What did that have to do with A lot of them
1: don't have Instagram. They just don't have Instagram. And they like, somebody once saw when it was still public, they're like, we saw your page and it was so cute. I'm like, thank you. Um, Mostly what people know here is that I have a closet in the guest room that people can shop um, brand new stuff discounted from, so they're just like, oh, so do you have any more clothes now? I'm like, yeah, sure, come over. Like they call it a store. Like I have a store in my house based on things that I've gotten from from work.
0: So, so 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 to tie this all, not that it wasn't tied together, but to kind of tie this all together, so you're saying you have to take responsibility for your life.
1: Yes.
0: And And then the natural question that people are gonna ask is, well, how do I know what I want to do? And that, I think, brings us back to the beginning of, well, if you don't know yourself because you've spent all of this time being what some man or someone was, you know, or like what you think God thinks, like again, I'm not, I'm not discounting anything about about our our tradition. God forbid, but like Judaism is super broad, and yeah. there have been very holy people that have done all kinds of different stuff. And if the stream that like you think there's there's just you have to become a more educated consumer, I think, to try to figure out how do I know myself well enough to express myself and how do I know Judaism well enough or my spirituality well enough in order to figure out how can I do that in a way that is very much in line and what I was really put here to do.
1: One of the non-negotiables that I had while dating was that somebody need that, that my spouse needed to be mindfully observant and I dated a lot.
0: Mindfully observant? What, is that? what does that mean? They didn't
1: know why they adhered to the different mitzvot that they were doing.
0: That's, that's interesting.
1: So when I asked why a guy was sitting and learning and his answer was started with, um, it was over.